You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, guys, good evening. Uh, sitting, breaking down again here, a little bit later to the record, but it's it's busy. I mean, look, I'm not saying it's spring here in New Jersey, but uh, the weather is good enough to get our soccer in, so that is what we've been doing. Um, obviously, you know, guys, continued uh, appreciation of all the support here. Uh, you know, as it you know gets to this time of year, you know, I mean, obviously, you know, there's plenty of Browns podcasts, but you know, there's only few that are going to give you a daily delivery of all things Oakbound, and that just happens to be us. So we're going to continue to plow through here. Uh, we, we got something we're going to do fun-wise, and look, obviously, I know uh, it's going to be weird for a lot of you guys going to your fantasy drafts this year, where you're going to want to loop in a bunch of Browns, but that maybe just will be the case. Uh, Pete Smith here joining. Uh, guys, I never forget the hands-free, whether it's Alexa or in the car, play podcast Lockdown Browns. Have the latest episode brought up for you. Uh, Pete, I guess, I mean, there was some news today NFL-wise, but first one, uh, you know, Seattle obviously with a, you know, a, a, couple, of, a couple of t- tough cuts. Uh, Cam Chancellor, you know, obviously, you know, this has kind of been the writing on the wall now for probably about a year, year and a half with Cam Chancellor and obviously all his injury history. And, uh, and, and the Doug Baldwin's tough because they'd been mentioned and obviously they drafted two wide receivers and it had been mentioned that his health and, you know, Doug Baldwin failed a physical and, you know, they've moved on, but I mean, you know, the, what was the LOB is no longer, and it is now the Seattle Seahawks and the franchise quarterback in Russell Wilson. But the Doug Baldwin one just just sucks because, you know, guy had two or three more seasons left in that body if he was healthy. You just hate to see it like that. This is the last, uh, the last big move of sort of moving on from that team that made the uh, made the Super Bowl. Uh, and it well, seems the team that should have won two Super Bowls. Yeah, I mean, Russell Wilson was the one guy who was going to stay, and everybody else was sort of, you know, eventually going to go. They've still got, you know, they still got him. They still got Bobby Wagner. They've still got uh, the other one, a linebacker. Uh, right. Yeah, Kent, KJ. KJ right. Yeah, loved him coming out of Mississippi State. Um, the Move seems very callous and cold-hearted. It just seems like, you know... Why, why couldn't you wait till August? We're it, just dumping yeah. these guys. But it, 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 it actually works to the player's benefit in this case um, in terms of their financial situation. So, you know, the, this is something they knew was coming and all that stuff. Um, I don't know if there was maybe a better way to do it because it does you know certainly just optics type thing it just looks like yeah we're you know basically like dumping two two dead bodies out the back of the truck and hoping nobody notices uh but i guess it 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 is sort of in their best interest so because that was my immediate reaction was sort of like huh you know you'd think they deserve a little bit better than that but yeah um it's very sad on on all accounts. Obviously, uh, Cam Chancellor was a I think fourth round pick out of Virginia Tech. Yep. Um, that didn't have a real a real position and you know beat the odds because strong safeties generally aren't that tall and they aren't that big and and effective. And we've seen any number of teams try to copy that model or try to take guys before on that model. Most notably. Uh, Taylor Mays was the guy that was supposed to be 
the dude in that situation. And, and you know, Pete Carroll famously passed on him uh, and then ultimately got camp chancellor uh, and was really successful with it. And obviously injuries has t- taken a toll on his body and the way he plays and all those things. Um, the, it's really unfortunate in, in terms of Doug Baldwin. Uh, not only is it a, you know, it, career-ending injury. I'm hoping it's not a life-altering injury. But the thing with Doug Baldwin is he was one of the more thoughtful, uh, super-intelligent players yep. in the league. Uh, he's a Stanford guy, uh, I think. Uh, yes. Just brilliant. And, and I remember it was him, and I think, was it him and Malcolm Jenkins that went on and sort of took on sort of a panel type thing in terms of... Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, in terms of like talking about kneeling and everything else, and and taking the blair, and and I think he took people by surprise. I, I I mean, I'm sure people who are regularly familiar with him were not, but I think he took a lot of people by surprise just how just remarkably intelligent and thoughtful he was in terms of every. Like he was the smartest guy there by far. Anyone in the audience, the host, whatever, he was clearly the smartest guy in the room. Uh, but you know, in a way that he was very th- thoughtful, and you could tell he was, you know, had really taken time to sort of figure out where he was on this situation, and it was really impressive. And you know, I, I you know, if it, it, it's it's a shame that he's unable to play football anymore. I'm hoping we get more of that in some capacity. Uh, you know, if he moves on and, and does something else to like, you know, whether it's politics or whatever, something that he's continues to try to sort of fight for something and, and, and try to promote change. He can do whatever he wants. I mean, he's the type of guy who can write his own ticket and not because he's a good football player, but he's just brilliant. So that's where it's really, really unfortunate. Obviously, Doug Baldwin's career was beating the odds quite a bit. Super small guy. Uh, you know, one of those that wasn't expected to do a ton. Uh, I think he was an undrafted free agent uh, that – you know, that, that sort of beat the odds in terms of being just, you know, a, a run-of-the-mill slot receiver, except he was great uh, and kept producing. And I think he found ways to contribute as a rookie and just kept on going and going and going. Uh, yeah, I mean, for me, a couple of things here. Um, I remember reading something where Doug Baldwin, and it was the first time, you know, he had basically gotten to Seattle, met Marshawn Lynch, and, you know, and, you know, introduced himself, and Marshawn Lynch gave, and basically said to him, fuck Stanford. And Doug Baldwin was a little rattled, and, you know, a couple of guys grabbed him, like, nah, dude, he's messing with you, man. That's it. Go out and play. That's all Marshawn cares about. And, obviously, it, it panned out very well. Of course, Cal Stanford, the rivalry, you know. So, uh, and, you know, Doug, you know, it, it grew, and grew into a player, and was the number one receiver of that team for many years. And there was a, a three-year stretch where Doug Baldwin's average was about 85 for 1,008 touchdowns. And, you know, it's impressive play. And where Pete touched on here about the intelligence level of this guy. And, look, I mean, he can – if Doug Baldwin chooses to take that route, Doug Baldwin is an intelligent enough guy and young enough and have it in him where he, he can he can change some things in this world. There's no doubt about it. He can help create change. Um, maybe he just doesn't want to go sit on a, you know, a four- to five-man set on Sundays and talk about, you know, 12 to 13 games that are going on. Maybe there's more that Doug Baldwin wants to do. And, you know, if there could be difference makers in this world, there's no doubt in my mind Doug Baldwin could be one of them. Uh, you know, 
you had mentioned the financial aspects where maybe this gives him the chance. Um, if it is truly over for Doug Baldwin, that it, it just sucks. But it, I mean, it, it does kind of seem that you know maybe it's just too big of a toll on you know a smaller statured body. But you know, God bless him, a hell of a player, almost 500 receptions, and you know everything else he had done for the you know, the short time he was here and was you know was basically their number one, but was never really a truly featured number one. It was just more the fact that he got the most return out of the targets he was given and, you know, basically took the ball and ran with it every opportunity they gave him. Um, Cam Chancellor, I'll go back to the Super Bowl with the Denver Broncos and, you know, the early safety and then Cam Chancellor, you know, because obviously this was played here, you know, at MetLife here in Jersey, and Cam Chancellor just literally annihilated and beat the snot out of Demarius Thomas on a third and eight route, a square in. I mean, you know, you go to the, the program, that line, you know, hit the guy so hard his girlfriend dies. And that's essentially what Cam Chancellor did. And literally, I mean, I, I was in a room, it must have been 35, 40 people, and we just, this is over. There was no way Denver could handle that physicality of that team. And that was the thing with Cam Chancellor. He just, I mean, the guy hit like a straight middle linebacker. Hell, he was built like a straight middle linebacker. He's a little bit quicker than a linebacker, but a little bit slower than your traditional defensive backs. But Cam Chancellor was just an absolute game breaker. And I remember, I think it was the Carolina playoff game years ago where Carolina was in, was in Seattle. And uh, Carolina was lining up for a field goal. Cam Chancellor jumped the offensive line. They blew the play dead, called the penalty because uh, yeah, he had, you know, basically he'd gotten there too soon. Can't, Carolina with five extra yards lines up, doesn't change a cadence, doesn't mix nothing up, and Cam Chancellor jumped the damn line again and bl- this time blocked the field goal. I mean, dude was just kind of a, a freak like that. Uh, but you know, special player, and it's you know, I mean, Legion of Boom was a nice, it was a nice era, it was a nice story because I mean, they were hard and beat they I mean they beat on people and they hit hard and they played well and they were all big and long and you know they could get the job done uh it's biggest problem there is that error that error and that legion of boom it should have been two consecutive Super Bowls and that's just the one thing that'll always stick out about that but the dog Baldwin Cam Chancellor you know best luck wherever you know careers heading for you uh iTunes rating reviews they always help the show they always help with the growth help new listeners find us they can see what you know me and Peter you know you know you find out what we're putting down for you so you know guys go ahead and make sure you continue to uh peek in check on you know uh iTunes rating reviews if you're not doing it I appreciate it if you do I know we're up to about 200 now let's keep pumping those out drop a five star drop a root interview let everybody know you know good stuff that's going on over here at Locked On Browns Pete to have a little fun tonight um Let's start now. Look, I mean, Baker obviously was a fantastic year. They, I mean, you're, you're statistically, uh, you know, I mean, you know, we're, we're talking four thousand yards. Are we talking sniffing forty touchdowns next year? Is that realistic? Well, the four thousand yards is almost a given. I mean, he almost hit that anyway. Um, you know, and and with missing the first couple of games, I mean, there's 13 not and a, thirteen and a half under his belt. Yeah, yeah, thirteen and a half games he threw for. 37-25. I mean, you give him another two, uh, 10 quarters of football, that would have been crushed easily. Uh, so the 4,000 yards, I expect. You know, I expect him to set any number of um, team records for a season. Uh, you know, part of this is because 
the Browns uh, have been struggling at this for so long that most of those records are largely meaningless unless you get into efficiency and then he's battling against the likes of Otto Graham, which may be more difficult than, uh, (laughs) than, than, than sounds. Uh, But yeah, 4,000 yards, 40 touchdowns. um, You know, this is a tough one for you, Pete, because if he gets 40 touchdowns, I mean, for you, it's kind of like splitting the pizza evenly between your two children. Because if he gets the 40 touchdowns, that means Nick might, you know, Baker gets the extra slice. Maybe Nick isn't getting, if it's an eight, if it's an eight slice pizza, Baker's getting five to six and Nick's only getting two to three. Well, I mean, they combined for 35 last year. Uh, so, you know, if, if you're, if you're saying that, uh, that, uh, I sh- I'm sorry, they combined for 37 last year. I mean, two of those were, you know, Baker throwing to Chubb. Um, so 40s not out of the question. I would say probably high 30s. Uh, you know, so much of this depends on how much you believe that uh, they're going to be able to do things with Odell Beckham that take the top off of the defense and stuff like that. The, the big plays that turn into touchdowns as opposed to the big plays that get tackled at the three-yard line and they hand the ball off and, and score or whatever. Uh you know, so the big focus is: Are they going to get you know over that thirty-five touchdowns uh, between the two on offense? Because that means that they are scoring more points this year, which I think they will be. So, you know, Nick Chubb could end up with a- any number of touchdowns. Keep in mind, Carlos Hyde had five. Um, you know, he averaged. He's fine. He's fine. Yeah, he averaged one or one for about every you know, 60 yards he carried the ball. Uh, so that's 13 rushing touchdowns between those two guys. Uh, and then Tyrod Taylor had one, and obviously Jarvis Landry had one. So, you know, your total offensive touchdowns, you're 44. So I think they will get more than that, certainly. Uh, so he may come damn close. I, I will say, I will say, if I'm picking a number, I'll say 38. Which, you know, which would be nothing to sneeze at in year two. Um, yeah, I think the 4,000 yards, and this is the thing. I mean, it, it's, it, it seems so weird to say, but th- this is what you expect now from good quarterbacks. You know, if it's not 4,000, it's almost like, well, eh, eh, well production kind of stinks. Um, it, obviously, a lot of it, it it's going to depend on whether or not they get in a couple of unexpected shootouts. Um, and we'll see if Freddie changes a little bit differently, you know, and the one thing we noticed, and I remember we talked about this, Pete, after the first Cincinnati game was, you know, oh, well, they kind of let Cincinnati back in it a little bit. And it was like, well, this team ain't beat anybody's doors off in, what, two to three years. And the problem we were talking about is, well, you know, the, the Browns kind of struggled a little bit when they had a 21-point lead. Well, well, that's not a bad problem to have. It's not. Um, but it, you will, you know, if some of these, you know, end up to shootouts where, you know, maybe sometimes, you know, you got to hang a 38 to win 38 to 24, uh, you know, so 38, I say, if we're going to put that at, you know, eh, 38, ah, what the hell, I, I'll, I'll take the over. I, I'm going to take the Odell factor and the over. Um, and, you know, the fact that, you know, when Kareem comes back, those could lead to some more. So I, 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 I'll take more than 38. But I, I, what, do you, what would you say, Pete? Closer to 45 than it is four? What, 45 what? 4,500 total, 4, 4, total over four. What would you go closer to? Mm, that's a good question. Uh, I will say it would be closer to four even. Um, I, I'm, I, look, I'm hoping that, 
God willing, there are a couple games where Baker Mayfield doesn't have to do anything in the fourth quarter. Exactly. Uh, and, and there's some mop-up duty or some just turning around and handing the ball off. Uh, meanwhile, I'm very curious to see if they don't get more rushing yards this coming year as a team. But, yeah, I think closer four seems about right. Uh, at the, you know, there are, there are going to be games where, again, should, you know, especially in December, uh, you know, there are games where, you know, Baker shouldn't have to do much at all in the second half. I mean, and they tried that in the second Bengal game. I mean, that the, most of the second half in that second Bengal game was him turning around and handing the ball off. And then they were put in a situation where they had to sort of ramp it back up again. Uh, and, and try to go for it more. So that's that's. I, I think that will hedge it slightly. Uh, so closer for for. for don't get me wrong; it'd be great if he could get more than that. But it also would would at least suggest that they. He, you know, if he's getting close to forty five hundred yards, they needed every one of them. Oh yeah, it's you know. So it should be fun. You know, since you, you took it there, uh, you know, obviously the 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 running back group. I mean, Duke. It's it's still hard. Uh, you know, look, maybe you know. I don't know. I I, I, I like. I almost flip flop on this day in day out. You know, do I think Duke's going to be here? Do I not think Duke's going to be here? Right now, I'm going through a Duke will be here phase. That's kind of where I'm at now. And it'd be great if maybe they found a way to use him at slot receiver. It's a fantastic way to describe it because that really is how it is. I mean, yep. every day is sort of like you know something else happens, and you're sort of like. What there's some cryptic tweet or John Dorsey sticks his foot in his mouth or whatever, and you're sort of like, eh, we'll see what happens. My 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 thinking would almost be is you know the insurance of the first eight games while Kareem's gone, and then thinking, well, you know, and, and the one that where I'm I'm kind of going with this now is well, you know, you know, obviously Odell, you know, he's had some major, you know, had some nagging injuries and ended up missing some time, you know, obviously Higgins, um, so you know maybe. The value in I, I go back to you where you know why not give him a slot opportunity role and you know maybe somehow some way an opportunity opens up itself for Duke in that phase, but you know it is there. Um, I guess you know we'll start here first with Nick. Um, get just we'll start with this. Get the kid the thousand yards he deserved last year. Right, and that's going to be the the question with him because uh, you know. Presumably, he, you know, I, a part of me thinks he could hit a thousand yards in eight games. The other part of me is sitting there going, and if if he doesn't, and they start mixing up carries with, you know, if Kareem Hunt comes back and and his everything is you know okayed with him, that that it might be closer like eleven or twelve hundred for the season, and then Kareem Hunt gets some amount of yardage. Uh, you know, the, the, there's part of me that thinks like if you. If you let Nick Chubb just run loose the whole season, he might flirt with like you know seventeen hundred yards or something like that, just because he's that good and the situation is that good for him. But because of the fact that they, you know, Baker Mayfield, it is his show, uh, and then if they do add Kareem Hunt in and do decide to, you know, really mix things up in terms of carries to keep Chubb fresh and all those things, that you know he may have an unbelievable, uh, you know, 1,200 yards in terms of yards per carry and efficiency and all those things and the big plays. But, you know, he doesn't get the enormous 
amount of yardage simply because they decide they want to use things. Or, or if Duke Johnson's here and they, you know, use him in a combination of handoffs and throwing him the ball or whatever, and they, you know, allegedly like Hilliard. So that could be an itch, another interesting wrinkle on ways to sort of keep things, uh, keep the workload down while still allowing him to be very, very good. Yeah, I figured, Nick, you know, if you if I were going to put it at total yards, I'd say in the 1,500 range. You know, the touchdowns, I think he'll get that 10. Kareem Hunt with only eight games obviously makes it a little bit tougher. Because even if you get to the point where maybe like week 17, where you would just say that, you know, week 17 could go one of two ways. If it means nothing, you could say, all right, Kareem, you're going to get 10 to 12 carries. Nick, don't even bother putting on your pads. You're not playing today. Um, you know, so maybe, maybe get some cleanup and, you know, by that time, God knows what's going to be left of the Cincinnati Bengals, for God's sakes. So, uh, you know, Kareem, Kareem, I, it's eight games. I, if everything goes right and as long as he doesn't overpush himself and he, he, he can remain healthy, because that's the one thing you're going to worry about with any guy who's got this amount of time off is, God forbid, you know, when you get closer to getting off the suspended list, you know, you, you the juices are flowing, and you know maybe you take it too hard, and you know, God forbid, you know, a hamstring or something, or you come in with something nagging when you should be 100% fresh. It could go two ways. He could come in and just blow up the freaking spot because he's coming in week nine, and everybody else has already got you know a little bit, you know, a ding here, a ding this, a shoulder, whatever, and he's gonna, he, you know, hasn't taken a hit in what will be damn near close to a calendar year. But uh, I would say Kareem, you know, 600 total yards, four touchdowns. If Duke's here, it should be more. It'll probably be more receptions than carries. And if you figure if he's here and he's here for the entire season, and you know if you could do James Whiteish stuff with him, which New England you know has so much success with, you'd figure what I'd, I'd say 45 receptions, 600 yards. You know, but Duke could be six to 700 yards himself, and you know three to four touchdowns in that range. It's it's a scary backfield when you actually think about it, Pete, and the possibility that you could go into Week Nine with Nick Chubb, Kareem Hunt, and Duke Johnson, and whew, that, that's not, I mean, and Pete, obviously you, the offensive guy and coaching, that's got to be fun. It, it's just got to be fun. Like you know, Freddie could be sitting there like, hey, this is kind of silly, but this is, this is kind of work probably. Well, I mean, that's that's how you end up with Dontrell Hilliard throwing an interception because you have so many toys and, and you decide to to try something and, and maybe you get a little too cute by half and, and something goes wrong. But at the same time, like, you know, they did some things that were really difficult for opponents to, to stop, like having those three backs in the backfield and teams not really know, understanding, uh, you know, they, they're sitting on the tendency that when Chubb's in there, it's a run, and when Duke's in there, it's a pass, and when both are in there, they – don't know so they got sort of uh caught up in that scenario so really that's what it does is yes there's certainly an element where you get to play around and do stuff and and that's that's really why i hope duke johnson is here because he's just an unbelievable toy to have as a coach and you know i've had this discussion with the coach about all the things you could do with him and and in in terms of the offense we run but uh that gives you Options are great. Options allow you to do a lot of things. Options, you know, and Freddie Kitchens did this. The Baltimore Ravens game, you know, was a great example where they used motion to to open up seams and those wide open passes down the field. Like those are a lot of things. And and 
that 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 become very fascinating to watch. Which is why, you know, it, you know, for the guys who do, and I've mentioned this before, but guys who do like the film breakdowns, like Jake Burns and stuff, you know, on some of these games, like when the Browns are playing a big game, may come back and see sort of like a a series of seven to ten plays where a couple from the first half and a couple from the second half sort of tie together and what was being the groundwork being laid here paid off here. And that the, the, the great example of that was that Ravens game where they used op, uh, that, that motion stuff to sort of fool them uh, to, to create space. And then later in the game, it became that wide open touchdown to, uh, I think that one was Jarvis Landry where he's completely uncovered and there's nobody nearby yep. and just all the things you can do. So, he threw like basically almost like the pump fake on the on the jet sweep, and then I mean yeah, there was nobody yeah, in Jarv- there was nobody in Jarvis's area code. So when you have guys like Kitchens and Munkin and and those guys who understand what to do with all these things, it does become really exciting. And at the same time, you know the 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 buy in factor from players is that much higher because you do have coaches there. One, you know, the, having the fun, having fun is certainly a factor, and players are going to enjoy that. But the idea that if you know you do your, you do your stuff right, you execute, uh, and Brashad Perryman was certainly a great example of this last year. If you do what you're supposed to do and take care of business, they'll find you. And you know, it's un, you know, obviously it's unfortunate that Brashad ended up going to Tampa. But, you know, the other guys looking at this team have to, or, or on this team or whatever sitting here going, you know, I, th- that could be me. I could, you know, I may not be running that particular seam route or, you know, fades down the field. But if if I do what I'm supposed to do, he, he will find me and Baker will find me ways to make plays and, and reward guys for that. I think that was a big factor in sort of speeding along Callaway's development. Uh, and again, I, I point to the bye week last year as a huge factor for him and Njoku. But again, like the there was a touchdown late in the year where you know Baker rolls out to his left and because Callow keeps busting ass and working from one side of the end zone to the other, eventually Mayfield rewards him for it, finds him in the in, in the corner of the end zone, and and they score. And you know I don't know if Callaway at Florida or Callaway even earlier in the year would have been ready for that, and yet you see that sort of development live uh, on the field. Yeah, so yeah, now we're, we'll get to the wide receivers with this, and that's, and, and that's I mean, even, even if what you do and you do well is a small thing, I think the people in the building now, that's fine. They can work with it. Um, you know, could uh, Damian Ratley do some Brashard Perriman things? And keep in mind, as, as much as, you know, we ended up talking about Brashard, and he was a nice addition here. It was less than 20 receptions, but he had one thing he did really well. He had a good-sized body, and if you put it near him, and you know, once he had obviously gotten over what had been you know a history of drops, but when you called his number deep, and he was able to get himself between player and you know between defensive back and ball and make plays, and I'm still pissed he didn't take that ball in Baltimore and throw it to that damn harbor. I was hoping for that one. Well, he saved it for Tampa. Yeah, and all of... Threw it to that bay. Yes, and all of seven people will have their eyes on it when it does happen. Very, Which, bitter, very bitter at those poor Bucks fans. Well, I, I don't blame them. If your team's not good, why go? And, you know, and that and they're in QB purgatory, but that's another story for another day. Uh, now we'll get on over, uh, you know, talk a little bit on the wide receivers here. Uh, you know, Odell... 
Prime Odell with the New York Giants, with a less accurate passer, I'll say it because it's true, uh, was what a, a 95-1300-10 touchdown guy. Are we figuring that much, Pete? 95-13-10 if we get 16 at Odell? Let's see. The one thing I'm curious about, let me look this up. The, the answer to me is yes, but it might be a more efficient you know, number like he had 124 targets last year. Uh, you know, he had 124 and still missed like four or five games. Oh, 124 targets for 1,052 yards. Uh, I'm not even going to go revisit the other guy uh, and how many targets it took to get less than that. But you know, when you look at uh, what he's done, like his best, you know, he's a 1,400 year, 1,400. 1300 is a rookie, 1450 is a second year guy, uh, 1367 in his third year, 132 targets, 159 targets, 169 targets. I, it's possible that the Browns shave that down slightly, and that would have more to do with the fact that Baker's not going to force it there, maybe, yep. hopefully, as much as Eli Manning would. Uh, but at the same time, his you know yards per target, yards per catch, and those things might be higher because you know, Beckham's not being forced to make some ridiculously, uh, you know, acrobatic catches. He's hopefully getting more yards after catch opportunities, hopefully catch, catch, getting the ball on time in more situations. He's not being thrown into bad, you know, dangerous areas and that type of stuff. So that, you know, if you go for 132 targets for the 1305 as a rookie, and he only played 12 games for that, by the way, uh, if you can get that same number of targets, you may still end up with, you know, some obscene number of yards uh, with that. But at the same time, you know, other guys on the team are also able to produce. And it's because, you know, on some level, and I don't think it's going to be very successful in, for two reasons. One, Baker's too good at not falling for this type of stuff. But if opponents go into you know, games against the Browns in, in 2019 and basically say, we're not going to let Odell Beckham beat you. You know, Baker's response is first, I, you know, first is want to bet. Second will be, I can crush it anywhere else. I did it. I, I was this good at it last year without o, Odell Beckham, you doubling him or whatever only makes it easier for me to go anywhere else. So he's going to, you know, he he's going to put defenses in a lot of, uh, compromising positions because whatever they do, he's at that point, and I think it's only going to get better where he he can almost be like you know you shift the defense over to Odell Beckham, great, I'm going to Callaway, I'm going to Njoku, I'm going to Landry, I'm going to wherever. Meanwhile, if it's Dude. played more, you know, you end up with single coverage. He's just like he's probably just thinking in his head before the ball snap touchdown. Yeah, exactly. Uh, you know, uh, I hope you all ready because we're going to go 75 yards and apologize to the defense, but you guys are all going to have to get your butts back out on this field here. Um, and if you guys haven't checked, Joe Thomas is out here just bodying Mike Silver on Twitter. And I actually had to ask some people because I've been blocked by Mike Silver for a long, long time now. So oh, that's who he's talking to? Yes. Yeah. Oh, so you must be blocked too. <laughs> yes. So, yes. He's, oh, yeah. He, I got yeah. dimed out by some other schlub who went to complain to Mike Silver because I was right. Oh, okay. Well, <laughs> look, anybody who is diming anybody out to Mike Silver, uh, y'all better do better than that. And I, I actually remember it. He blocked me ages ago because he 
tried to talk about a draft prospect, and this uh, Mike Silver got to it about March, and it was a young guy, and he only had like 700 followers, and the kid was absolutely right. So me and some other people, in the defense of the kid and his hard work, went after him, and of course, you know, Mike just blocked and ran. But Joe Thomas, liking it, big guy. Should make for some, makes makes for some interesting sets over at NFL Network if those two ever end up on the same one. Uh, and so Pete, and this is where uh, basically where this is came from, and I want to thank uh, at JD Schro. And his main question was, with you know, who would have a better statistical year between Callaway and Landry, which you know, helped me brainstorm to let's get a little better idea here on everybody. So that brings us, Pete. I guess we'll just do two, three, four. You know, receptions, yards, touchdowns. Higgins, Callaway, Landry. How do you, how do we see this playing out? Because look, I mean. One thing you guys can say, whatever. Look, Jarvis Landry is not going to get the amount of targets he got last year. With Odell here, that's going to affect everybody, obviously. And with the way Baker plays the position is, if the coverage worked in your favor and you did your job and you got open, be ready because, you know, 90% of the time, you know, take out the Houston game, Baker's going to throw the ball to the right guy. So... Brings us to two, three, four here, Pete. So, you know, do you know who had more receiving yards between Callaway and Higgins last year? I'll say Callaway. He did. Okay. He did. He had, he played 16 games. He had 586 yards. Richard Higgins played 13 games, had 572 yards. It's just 14-yard difference. And granted, Callaway's a rookie and, and learning and had his issues with drops. But that's not a decidedly big difference, which, again, makes you wonder, you know, the people who are sort of, you know, brushing Higgins off the side may want to rethink it just because of the chemistry and everything else they go with. Um, this is tough. Who do I think will have the second most receiving yards? I'm going to say, oof, man, that's tough. It's got. It's got to be Callaway. He's he's the one with the biggest big playability. That's for me. If if we wanted here, how about we put it to this: receptions, yards, touchdowns between the three. If we're going yards, I think it's you. If you're betting, and obviously you guys know what me and Pete, we don't like to put our money on this stuff. If I had to, I would bet Callaway would be your leader in receiving yards. He 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 could. seemingly end up with the most yards of those three and end up with the least receptions. But yep. I think I actually think he will end up with probably the second most receptions on that group just because, you know, he, he they were not particularly efficient when it came to yard, you know, targets and rece- receptions. It just, it, this was Callaway's a rookie and dropping balls and stuff like but that. But it went so, both ways, though. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't different before he was fired, and it wasn't different after Freddie took over. There were weeks yeah. where it was like, all right, so I guess Antonio just wasn't into the game plan this week. Yeah, 100%. And so I'm wondering if Callaway ends up with basically around the same number of targets. He had 79 targets last year, but he just catches more of them. Or maybe it's like 85, 90 targets, but the percentage of caught balls is higher. So he's going to have a bigger year in terms of production from that standpoint. Um, I'll go I'll go third. I'll go, you know, I'll go Landry. Uh, I I think he'll have the most catches of those three guys. I agree with that. Uh, but he'll get the least out of them. Uh, he may. I don't think he's going to have more touchdowns than Callaway. I mean, hell, he didn't last year. 
Um, that's where it gets tough. Like I, I just he just seems like the guy who's gonna get marginalized somewhere in this. Uh, so I'll say Landry's has the most catches, third most yards, and then Higgins will be sort of the uh, will turn into Darren Fells this year. I think he'll obviously get more passes than Fells did, but I think he will turn into the guy where and 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 in large part he was this much of last year anyway, where every time he gets the ball thrown at him. Uh, you're very happy with it, and the results generally turn out very good for you and your football team. And look, the runway dance was good. I want to see more of the runway dance. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I would agree with Landry on receptions. I'll agree with Callaway on yards. I guess if you're going to have to think Callaway has the most yards, you would think that would probably lead to the most touchdowns of the three. But then there would be you know, Higgins. It, it may not be as good as it was in 18. But that could lead to it being better in 20 because he's never going to command the price tag that Jarvis Landry is currently making. And, guys, you know, I know some of you, whatever, caps and myth, yada, yada, yada. But there's things some of you guys don't look at, and, and I keep going back to this, is Ward and Garrett and Baker, they go up each year against your cap between 8 to $10 million dollars. You're going to have to start, you know, I'm not saying, you know, I'm not talking nickel and diming, but you're going to have to find a way to save some money somewhere. And if Odell's going to be here for the next two, three, four, five years, you're not going to pay two wide receivers a boatload of money. So, you know, if Callaway can show this year that he can maybe be the future number two or him and Higgins can be the 2A, 2B, and, and you get to save some money in that respect. And if you still have Odell, and obviously the injuries have not resurfaced. So, yeah, I mean, that's the way I'm going to go with it. it, it is, it's, it's a really, it's a really, really nice group of wide receivers. And I think they all mesh well with Baker in the same respect of, you know, look, I really, you know, I think they're all intelligent enough. Well, I mean, Callaway's still getting there, but intelligent enough to be able to read pre-snap like, oh, man, this is probably going to be me here as long as I beat my guy, and I'm just, I hate that it's May, I wish it was August already, guys, in that respect, which brings us to, uh, you know, uh, yeah, I mean, set the valve, I, it's, that, that's the greatest mystery in the room, but obviously, this is more about David Ajoku. Pete, this could be more where it's bigger yards for David, and maybe more touchdowns, with maybe the receptions being right at where they were last year. So he had 88 targets and 56 receptions, um, which gave him 639 yards. A very solid season. I, I would like to see him take, and I think, again, we've talked about this. I think that last month may be a, a, a preview of things to come. I would really like to see him get to about 800 yards. Uh, and I think, again, the targets may relatively be the same, but you're hoping to catch more of them. Certainly, Nujoku has to be more consistent on that front. Just worked for it just so much easier for him. But if if in terms of play action and stuff, you know, Njoku has the chance to be the biggest beneficiary. And you know, the play they ran last year, which was straight out of Oklahoma, where their which play is, action, which is what action, you should do. Baker always had a guy there. Yeah, that that play action, you know, working across one way to the other, and then moving that linebacker out of the lane so you could get the ball to Njoku up to seam right now. Uh, I'd love to see more of that. I'd love to see more opportunities for him to go down the field and, and play action. But I also think, you know, he is still 
figuring out how good he can be in terms of yards after the catch and using his body and those types of things. So in addition to catching more passes, I think he should increase how effective he is in terms of what he does with the ball after it. And, and some of that's just the fact that Mayfield gets him the ball on time better uh, and he will have more space naturally work. But, you know, you saw it last year. He, he closed out a game because he understood – you know, where the space was and, and, and ran and used his strength and his speed and all those things to finish out the game and, and racked up a ton of yards after the catch. And there are a lot of opportunities I think he's going to have by for guys in there where he could, you know, break a couple big ones and score. I mean, his that, that, that reception he had last year to close the game was 66 yards, which was the second – most on the team for any given reception. Callaway has a 71-yard reception, and, and Perryman also has a 66-yard reception. So Njoku may have more opportunities to get those big plays. Of the 56 receptions he had last year, nine of them were those big plays, 20 yards or more. I'm hoping he can get more of those, and it's not because the ball's traveling in the air more, although I wouldn't hate that either, but it's just because he's able to do more once he gets the ball in his hands. Well, and, and that's what Odell uh, Odell is should free up David Njoku more. I mean, look, you can't put two guys on both of them with everything else that they're going to put out there. And David has all the athletic ability in the world. And, you know, it, it even there can be times where you can hit him on a five-yard out. And if he beats the poor sucker who, you know, either has a man or has the, you know, the flat contain and David beats him, Good luck, because now you got a guy at you know his size and athletic ability, you know, showing off that four, you know, right around four or five, and just you know, and the thing is, David Njoku with two strides gets about six yards. Just a mammoth, mammoth dude with a ton not of athletic only, ability. Not only that, but you know, everybody talks about the jump ball nonsense. He's really good at it, so he may get more opportunities than that because Baker really knows how to throw it. Uh, that he can go up in the corner of the end zone and do the, those type of things. So he may he may get a couple more cheap touchdowns this year, uh, just off those type of plays. Well, I mean, you could see where maybe I mean if you know if they're at the two or the one where they'll run the package. I mean, find somebody else to be a third tight end. Well, I mean Orson Charles or whatever. Put all you know, put all the tight ends on the field. Just take you know David, put him out on an island and still run the ball. I mean, and that'll be the respect for the presence that he brings. And it's just. Stupid fun, stupid fun. Uh, guys, uh, hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can go where hiring is simple. Fast and smart, a place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ziprecruiter.com slash locked on. Look, guys, um, you know, if you need work, you're looking for better work. Uh, you know, go ahead, uh, you know, obviously with the with the link I gave you. Go ahead, get your application up there. They respond with a multitude of businesses. They will find you. If you're looking for people, they will find a qualified match through ZipRecruiter within 24 hours. So, you know, you will hear something. You'll hear something quickly. Uh, so go ahead, check it out. Look, I mean, you know, financially times are tough, but the one good thing is is there are people, the hiring percentage, and that part is good. So, uh, you know, put it out there even if you are satisfied with where you're at. See if you can get something better. If you need something, get on there just to get started, you know, get the ball rolling. You can work both ways to benefit what you already have or to get you rolling in the direction you need to be. So go ahead, check out ZipRecruiter. Check them out, you know, ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. Uh, you know, make sure you use the promo code. We thank ZipRecruiter for their sponsorship of the podcast for Locked On Browns. But look, I say, you know, 
money makes the world go round. And <laughs> I can tell you right now, and anybody can tell you, look, it, 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 nothing's getting cheaper, nothing's getting easier. Find a way to get yourself some ducats. Check out ZipRecruiter. And thanks again for sponsoring Lockdown Browns. We got a couple of listener questions here again, but thanks to JD Show, he was able to turn into a great segment here. With that, um, so we will, uh, let's see here. Uh, Pete Christian Kirksey, and this is you know, could he have a better year going to a system that maybe seems more linebacker friendly? Obviously, with Wilkes as opposed to Greg Williams. My thing is going to be what you could see out of Christian Kirksey is going to be about Christian Kirksey's body. Uh, it's never been the want to with Christian Kirksey. It, 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 it's it, it, you know, it's been you know, where the health is, and obviously last year was a really really tough year for Christian, and it sucks that we got this a guy who was so ridiculously good in the community, and such a good dude. And I mean, here's a guy on I I R videotaping Baker Mayfield press conferences because he's so excited for the team for the franchise, which he is a part of. <sighs> Take the health aside, Pete. Is this a good match? Is this a better match for Christian Kirksey with Wilkes as opposed to Greg? Well, they're going from a terrible linebacking coaching staff to a less terrible, at, at the very least, if that's modestly less terrible. Um, I, I think Kirksey's going to have a good season. And, you know, the injury stuff is what it is. If he gets hurt, you know, you can't do anything about that in the same way that, you know, people worry about Ward. Um, but the thing is, not only do I think it's a better fit in terms of coaching, this is what Chris Kirksey has been waiting for his entire career. Uh, and there are few people, ownership included, who want it more uh, than Kirksey does. He is a giant Browns fan. Like, to the point where people, like – you know, may criticize him because he toes the company line so much because he believes in all that. Like he, he's a lot like you know Joe Thomas in terms of being that, yep. you know, the 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 good soldier, the the, you know, the company guy that does, you know completely buys in. He's been there. Uh, I'll show. And, uh, oh, you need me to go to a fifth grade graduation at the local elementary school? Yeah, I'll do it. Well, not only that, but I think he's enthusiastic about that stuff too. But. You know, he just—he's a guy who just gives and gives and gives and gives and gives. Uh, but uh, you know, and he's been doing that in the organization. He's been, you know, trying to be, you know, in, in part of the solution as opposed to part of the problem. Like he's been willing to sort of, you know, to try to put the, put frame the Browns in a better light. He's always, you know, he's like Joe Thomas was, where he's always hopeful the next year would be that year. And unfortunately, Joe didn't make it in that sense. Kirksey has, and from that standpoint, I just think, you know, even if he were to get hurt, it may take a hell of a lot more uh, to get him off the field uh, than it would have in any other year. You know, in other years, you know, I, I, it's not that he, you know, would have given up or anything. It's just, you know, th- there there are points where the organization's like, look, we're, we're, we're good, we're not going anywhere. You know, potentially putting you at further risk does 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 us no good. Let's go ahead and, and get this dealt with or whatever. And this coming year, that won't be the case. And this has been the case for a lot of years with a, a lot of different Browns players, where guys would be put on IR that didn't necessarily need to go on yep. IR, but they were bad and they had nothing to prove. And it was an opportunity to get young guys in there. It was an opportunity to get another guy on the roster. To, to get a look at them, and, and this guy has already proved himself. Uh, 
uh, some of this, you know, Kirksey's got to play better. He, he, you know, he has to actually be a better football player. But he is the guy who comes up with a big play and you don't expect it. He's the guy who surprises you. He'll make an interception. He'll force and recover a fumble. Well, Tampa Uh, Tampa was his best game. He filled in for Joe that day and and he had an interception and recovered a fumble. Yep. Absolutely. So... You know, I, I think with the amount of talent they've added, and I think those other guys sort of getting a better sense of where they are will help him immensely. Uh, you know, obviously having Schobert next to him will benefit him. I, I don't think it would be different from Jamie Collins. I think everything to me points to have, you know, Kirksey having a good, what is likely his swan song in Cleveland. And let's, you know, again, short of a drastic uh, restructuring after the year. Uh, but this is sort of what happens is you know, when we talk about Landry and stuff, it becomes return on investment. Kirksey is bona fide great uh, in terms of culture and stuff. He's been there. He has an inherent amount of credibility uh, because he's been good and, you know, in addition to doing all the other things well. Uh, so it's not impossible that he ultimately wants to stay because he wants to, you know, he does the whole finish what you started thing and maybe he doesn't think he can get more money than that. But I, I do think that he, you know, in, in that respect, I think Kirksey's also, in addition to everything else mentioned in terms of, you know, finally having a chance to win and, and be comp- competitive, this also is, in a lot of ways, a contract year. It's not, you know, his contract doesn't run out after this year, but in every other meaningful way, it is a contract year for him. So whatever he's going to get out of himself this year to sort of finish his career. Uh, however long way that is, uh, this is sort of pivotal for him on every single front. Yeah, I mean it's you know, and it, it, it's also an addition. I mean an addition, so it's you know, it, 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 the contract year though. It's you know, for if it you know if it goes well, you want to stay. That's fine. Or you want to go and continue to make a good amount of money. It'll probably be somewhere else. But and it's you know. And it sucks that a guy like him is in this position because here's a guy who was, you know, was happy to be a face of this franchise, you know, whether they won 15, no one 16, um, but may not get to stick around to reap all the rewards that will be brought that way. But, yeah, it's just the way this way this league works, the way this game works. Uh, at 2, Scuba Steve 7, thanks for the question. Uh, this is the last one here that we're going to close it out with this, and this is from at J. Rajbot. What is the best thing the Browns can do the rest of this offseason? For me, Pete, start extending some folks. <laughs> let's let's get a couple of guys here taken care of. Most notably, and I, 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 some people want to come at us like it's a bad thing. No, get Joe happy and extended. This guy is peddling shirts from you know helping a veteran who made up shirts it's showtime check it out whether it's you know joe schobert's account his wife's account this is a guy that needs to stick around for me you know i think you have pretty much everything here in order unless some crazy cut around june 1st happens gerald mccoy sure yes i'm cool with that but for me start get get joe done for me that would be the one final piece here this offseason that I'd be happy with and say, all right, let's pack this shit up now and let's go to camp tomorrow. Uh, contracts are a good answer. I mean, they've got to redo Odell Beckham. They've got to redo Olivier Vernon. Those are contracts that have to get done. And, and that may change how things operate. It, it may 
create money in certain seasons. It may take away money in certain seasons. And they're sort of going to have to balance out, you know, the ebbs and flows of where they think they need to hit uh, and where they feel like they they can sort of put money. Uh, And Schobert's certainly a part of that. I'd love to see Treader get dealt with. Um, You know, I I think the the, the further this goes with Randall, I think it's going to, you know, wait until the season uh, and, and see where he ends up. And ultimately, that still may not get worked out. I guess in some ways, I suppose, you know, what what I'd like to see is if even if they aren't actually signing anybody right now, I, you know, and, and this is unrealistic because I, I just don't think this is how Dorsey works. It'd really be nice to know that they plan on doing these things. Um, like Schobert, if they're saying, look, we want to get this done. Uh, we plan to get this done, but here's you know here's our thought process, whatever it is, you know that's not realistic. But that it would be nice if they showed some intent, and maybe the players have gotten that. And I suppose on the other hand, they could you know turn around and decide to go the other way. But you know, like your center uh, is in the last year of his contract, and you've been shuffling offensive linemen. You're going to have to continue to shuffle offensive linemen uh, next year. You've got Petonio. It'd be really nice to lock up your center. Uh, and, and obviously, yeah, Schobert, 100%. But other than that, I mean, you know, it's to continue uh, shuffling the roster to co- find opportunities to get better at certain spots. So like today, the Jaguars released Blair Brown. Uh, for anyone who doesn't remember Blair Brown, Blair Brown was a, an, o- an OU Ohio Bobcat uh, who came out. Go, Jeff Risden. Yes, the fighting Risdens. Um, tremendous athletic testing and really good production. So I don't know what happened with Jacksonville. If they just think the room is too full, it's especially weird that he got released on the day that all this stuff with, uh, with, uh, another FSU player, uh, yeah, that's Kelvin Smith and, and just walk away from 6 million for a year. What are you doing, dude? I mean, I don't well, know if it's a Tom Coughlin effect or, you know, the one thing, and this is the thing, Pete, I do worry about this a tad bit is, is this one of those Josh Gordon where I need to step away because we may have a bomb dropping here in the next day or two? Well, I don't know. But I, it's, a, you know. it's a mix of both, though. Cause, and this, and guys, this is what me and Pete talk about this a lot. And Antonio Callaway put one out today, and we're not trying to point fingers anywhere. The cryptic tweets, like, well, what? Like, did you screw up? Um, Are you in a bad place? Are you asking for help? And look, I mean, look, it's it's no everybody's life's got pressure. There's no doubt about that. Everybody's got, you know, because Callaway is balancing family. It's you know, yeah, we all go through it. I mean, granted, obviously, maybe the pressure's on the obviously the pressure's on these guys more where it's you know millions of dollars per year, but. Those cryptic tweets just send everybody in a freaking vortex. Yes. Uh, there's nothing that will drive Browns fans more insane than cryptic tweets. And obviously, uh, they've sort of earned it in that Josh Gordon has been doing this to them for years. Uh, and, and and that's where that's going. But uh, Telvin Smith, I, I, I hope everything is good with him in his life. I hope this is not some, some – part of me is almost rooting for it being some – I, che- really I stepped out. I, I stepped out, or I stepped out on the old lady, or but yeah. I mean, yeah. I'll tell you right now, if it's you know, it's not the time for Telvin Smith after his year last year to be asking for more money. Didn't work out. I mean, last year wasn't as good as years past. So you know, if you're asking for more more money, it's not the right time to do it. 
But so it's weird that Blair Brown got cut on that day. So to me, he's a guy I would bring in. I I personally am really not comfortable with the some of the backup linebackers they have. Ray um, Ray. <laughs> Yeah, and and you know I I don't know what happened with Blair Brown in Jacksonville. Maybe there's something more to it, but he did make his share of plays for them in games on Sunday. So if you're trying to get another athletic, uh, productive player out of college that maybe be able to come and help you as a depth linebacker or something, special teams, whatever, he's a guy I would take a flyer on. And you know you've got the room with the 90 man roster and all that stuff, so. That that's certainly the type of thing, and obviously, you know, I continue to look for, you know, it, it, let's say something happens like this where a team lets loose a, a defensive tackle of that nature, then yeah. So it's continuing to churn the roster, get looks at guys, see who's there that you like, see see if you can't keep adding and finding guys, and it you know it may be a situation where somebody gets let go that Dorsey liked in a previous draft or whatever, and they go ahead and bring that guy in to try to make this thing better before they get back to camp and all those things. Uh, obviously there's rumors with, you know, free agents and players on other teams. So there's some, whether the, how much of the truth is really attached and how much is just sort of being thrown at the Browns because they've got cap room and the fans would really like Gerald McCoy, um, my, myself included. Uh, you know, they, they, they seem to be always on the lookout for ways to better the roster. So I continue that. But, certainly, you know, the, the, the contract thing is really hard to argue as not being the biggest thing because they can theoretically put a lot of things to bed for a while. Uh, and, and getting Schobert done in that, that uh, vein would be great, uh, would answer really help answer where this team is going. Uh, it, whether even if you're even if you pay Joe Schobert, then next year you're like, we're going to put him at will. They're both really valuable positions, so I don't care. Uh, and it's and, not going to change what he does. That he'll still be the quarterback of that defense. And yes, know, they all respond to him. They all you know they, they feed off of him. That's what we saw with the three game absence. Yeah. So those are those are good things to do. And obviously they've got a lot of time right now. So hopefully they can get that done. Uh, and maybe you know they'll they'll come back and and Demarius Randall and and that they will uh, come to some agreement they like, but you know and, and speaking of cryptic tweeters, uh, that's you know the that's sort of the next domino to start falling with these things is these things are have to get done, it's, especially when it comes to Beckham and Vernon. They are not going to play on naked no bonus contracts. They just aren't. Uh, I, 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 people will argue with me and go, well, they haven't said they wanted this. I, I'm sorry, they can double dip. They're going to double dip. That's reality. Yeah. You only have so many years of football left. You're going to take bonus money. If Odell Beckham gets hit by a truck, uh, he's not getting any more money. Uh, so you're going to negotiate to get all the guaranteed money you can and should. Should. I'm not Absolutely. interested. I'm not interested in keeping Jimmy Haslam's money. I'm interested in keeping a healthy salary cap. But beyond that, get your money. Uh, and and certainly the opportunity, you know, this is part of why I've never bought the idea that that uh, Odell Beckham wouldn't have come here if not for certain elements. It was a huge opportunity for him to go to a better team and then get money pay, paid twice. Uh, so that would have been good either way, and Vernon certainly in that category. And there, there are ways you could do this that could actually save them on cap in terms of handing out a little bit of bonus money uh, and those type of things and guaranteed 
money, which may free up some space if they want to go get a guy like Gerald McCoy or if they're trying to do something for next year or may free up the money, you know, a specific figure to get Schobert or somebody else done. So that's definitely a big part of this is, is continuing to keep their financial house in order. You know, and what goes along with it is, you know, well, you know, if Odell is going to take a dip because he's not in New York anymore, okay, then well, all right, we rework it this way, and it's better for the team, and it allows a guy like Gerald McCoy, and I mean, it's just, it's just smart business. Or Trey Boston. Well, I'm sure. I mean, there's, you know, but I mean, you know, McCoy seems to be a popular name. Trey Boston. I keep going about this. You're not getting a three-year deal you're looking for. It's just not happening. If it's now May, well, it'll be May 10th here shortly. It, it's just not happening, dude. Figure out where you want to do, what you want to do, where you want to go. Just go ahead and put pen and paper and get going. And as far as, you know, manipulating the roster, you're good. Get yourself the best 90 to get yourself to the best 53. Yep. Keep keep trying to find play. I mean, and that's you know that's Dorsey's mindset anyway. So it's basically continue what you do anyway. But it's finding more fits, finding guys that can help you, whether it's special teams or whatever. Uh, and, and and you know you're in a position to contend. So keep especially those those lower level roster spots, which don't cost really any money, and it's basically just uh, rotating yep. uh, tryout guys. And yeah, you absolutely can do that. Yeah, I mean, because these are the stones you're unturning now. I mean, you pretty much have the house in order otherwise. So now it's, well, all right, he's got a great athletic profile. Uh, you know, he's an okay player. All right, can he play special teams? Yeah, okay. I mean, this is the time you start addressing those things, and that's where this franchise is at, and it's a good thing, guys. Um, follow Pete over at underscore Pete Smith underscore, the Lockdown Browns Twitter account. Always follow back. You guys know that. Follow over there. Uh, me personally, at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, just want to thank you guys again. Look, um, you know, to be putting up the numbers we're putting up here, I mean, obviously the draft coverage, me and Pete told you we were going to kill it and we get everything we had. So, you know, for the March and April numbers to be where they are. But for May right now, which should be the dead period, and look, I apologize for what's going on with the Indians. Um, maybe you all need to check out Hiram's account and get all your, in, your Indians takes there. Um, you know, I got a couple tweets on him today. Um, look, guys, he's just a passionate fan, Hiram. Uh, so, you know, you choose to follow, you choose to interact with. Uh, that you stepping into at your own risk. Because if he does disagree with you, it's going to be a tough time. But uh, but I just I can't be more thankful that we're just literally still here putting in, you know, the numbers that we are. And and it's May, you know. Maybe part of it is because the weather. It doesn't feel like May. It really doesn't seem like spring just yet. Hopefully that's coming soon enough. But uh, it, it's fantastic. You guys are all along for the ride here, and we do truly appreciate it here. Um, ben, your daily delivery of all things dog pound, LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns. <laughs>